on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. With this kind of shift in the, in the footwear industry, we've gotten to the point also with technology where we have all these synthetic materials so they can really, really kind of uh, talk up some of the parts of these shoes and, and na- name things a certain way. It sounds really cool. Sounds like it's going to fix stuff. Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple house in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, welcome to In the Rack Podcast, episode three. This is a uh, this is a good one. This is one that Nick and I have been uh, waiting for since the beginning. I know we kind of talked about it last time in terms of how we waited till episode three to talk about this, but I think it's uh, it's it's worth the wait, you know. So uh, just to kind of go over it again, I'm your host Chad, and my co-host is Nick, and. Just to kind of talk a little bit more about Nick and his, you know, journey with feet. Um, we're going to call this episode "Foot Fetish," just because we both tend to have a little bit of a foot fetish. Nick a little bit more than myself, um, but Nick recently in the last year had completed a program called the Foot Nerd Program through the Foot Collective. Um, if you don't or are not sure what the Foot Collective is, they have Instagram. Their Instagram is the Foot Collective. Um, you should check them out. They uh, do a lot of great content on feet. And um, Nick did this program, and he's a legit foot nerd now. He's got the diploma to prove it. And it's um, why don't you like talk a little bit about that, Nick, and just let us know like what was involved with the foot nerd program and what you got out of it, and you know, kind of bring us through that. So basically, the foot nerd program it's it's more than just feet. It's really a um, a program designed to help you really regain traction on your individual health journey. And in doing so, once you regain traction on your own journey, you are in a better position to help others on their own health journey. So that's as, you know, physical therapists, strength coaches, that's what we're doing. You know, the, the foot nerd program, there's everything from, you know, PTs to physical education teachers, you know, everything, everything in between, anything you could think of, people join this program. And, and it's really, like I said, a way for people to you know, regain that, that momentum with their health process day in, day out. Cause realistically, when you're talking about health, you don't necessarily achieve, you know, optimal health. You're just striving for it each and every day. Right. Because if I were to be able to get to the finish line, say I have to keep that up. Right. So the finish line just keeps moving with me throughout life. So I have to live it day in, day out. And the foot nerd program, they kind of call it the foot nerd program because the feet being the foundation of the body, that's where it's a good place to start because in modern, in our modern world, in modern society, everyone's wearing shoes and we're constantly doing something throughout the lifespan, wearing these cushioned shoes that can have negative impacts on your feet over time, right? So we, we've developed this misrepresentation of the feet in our society. It's really skewed where we think of our feet as weak and frail and at the end of the day, that's just not the case. Our feet should be strong and resilient, and they are. We just have to train them accordingly. So the foot nerd program is all about, you know, starting with the feet, regain that, that healthy relationship with your feet so you can 
blossom that into, you know, the whole health process and, and that, you know, kind of trickles into nutrition, sleep habits, movement overall and all that kind of stuff. So that's really the, the big emphasis of the Foot Nerd program. Yeah. And it seems like they're kind of going more for like a total wellness approach too nowadays. It doesn't even seem like they're harping on feet as much, even though they still do a lot of that. But seems like they're hitting a lot of the nutrition and the sleep and how everything's just interconnected and, and uh, how it all kind of just works together, right? Yeah. So they, they have uh, five big pillars uh, when they talk about the health process. And, and feet are a huge part of kind of the, the body and the, the movement part of things. But that will also help you kind of dive into, like you said, the nutrition, the sleep, your mind, you know, kind of how you think about not just yourself, but how you think about you know, the world around you, the environment around you. And then the last pillar would be community. So, uh, you know, having that, that community, um, whether it's your, your family, your friends, all that kind of stuff, your, your coworkers and having healthy relationships with all those people can be super, super impactful on your health. It's actually necessary for your health because we've, we've been in, in small bands of, of communities since, you know, our beginning. Um, so we need it. We need it for optimal health um, and we need to live it each and every day and, and, and be part of that, you know, throughout our lifespan. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, if, if you're a patient or a client and you've come to Proform, you know how passionate we are about feet. So um, I guess let's talk a little bit about how you got into feet, Nick. I mean, I know that, you know, you, you went through the whole foot nerd program, but like what, what was your interest in feet? Because not everybody likes feet. They all think it's gross. So what's, what's your take on that? Um, my interest really started with, with my own um, injuries. Um, so I was a basketball player, you know, played basketball in college and, and throughout, even from childhood, I had foot issues. When I was young, I had a ton of heel pain. I had, um, I dealt with what's called sesamoiditis. So basically just pain at the ball, ball of your foot. Um, so I would have battle that on and off, would go to the podiatrist, get orthotics, go back when my feet grew, get more orthotics. Um, then right in like middle school, I started, got my first ankle sprain and I would just sprain my ankles all the time, you know? So I just started to deal with it. And once I was done with my playing career, I just kind of chalked it up to having having bad feet. Well, I would just it's just the hand I was dealt type of thing. And I started to research it more. I found the Foot Collective and I saw the stuff they were doing and I was like, "Man, maybe it doesn't have to be this way." So one one big thing with the Foot Collective is walking on a balance beam. So essentially it's just you know a, a like PVC pipe and that's what I did. I went went to Home Depot, got PVC pipe and I started walking on it every day. A couple minutes each day. And then I started doing just some some simple foot exercises, rolling the foot out on a, a lacrosse ball, a um, couple, you know, toe dissociation exercises, things like that. And within weeks, I started to notice, man, this is this feels so different. I would be walking, you know, out on uneven terrain and where normally my feet would my ankles would just roll naturally. It wasn't happening anymore. Or if it were about to happen, my body would catch itself. And I was like, wow, it's never been this way. This is this is crazy different. So I kept up with it. I kept up with it. And it started carrying over into other things, you know, not just um, with movement, like my, my other lifts, my deadlift, my squat, that all went up. But also I started to get more kind of serious um, and on track with nutrition. I started to develop a better sleep schedule and it all kind of started with the feet. So with, within that foot nerve program where feet are kind of the backbone or the foundation, it truly, truly happened for me. I saw it happen. So I started to take it to the clinic and, and, you know, obviously people come in with foot issues 
when you're treating them, yeah, you're going to dive into the feet. But then I started to dive in the feet with everybody. And I've gotten to the point where I discuss feet with people with coming with neck pain, shoulders, wrists, hands. I get in the feet with everybody because it's that important. So I really started to see it first with myself and then just started experimenting with with patients and clients. And, and it was becoming super impactful. So now it's just a huge kind of emphasis of our, you know, our, our, our model here, the way we, we treat, the way we, we train, we train most people barefoot. Um, it's a huge thing. All my training clients too, they start out on the balance beam on the PVC pipe. We got metal ones. We we've upgraded a little bit. We got the metal ones now, but if we started out with just some plastic PVC pipe and, and, um, you know, that's part of the warm up for everybody for me. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even before you got into all that, my, my first experience with, with, uh, barefoot shoes started about probably two or three years ago when I was going through, um, this 40 week mentorship to the gray Institute. And I remember looking at this guy and this guy, his name was Mahir. And if Mahir, you listen to this, you uh, you inspired me. Cause, uh, I looked at your feet, man, at the widest fucking feet I've ever seen. And I was like, dude, what? is up with your feet. He's like, Oh man, we're from Africa. He's like, we don't even wear shoes in Africa. He's like, I only have to wear shoes here because I have to. He's like, otherwise I don't wear shoes. And I'm like, man, that is crazy. So he, he was the one that kind of first turned me on to the whole barefoot, uh, and natural footwear. And he, he got me into Vivo barefoots and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, but talking about the importance of wider toe boxes and zero drops and, and all this other stuff, um, but I looked at it, I'm like, man, that does make a lot of sense. And ever since then I've, I've been, you know, rocking the, the natural footwear as much as I can and my feet feel awesome. So, um, yeah, let's, let's kind of get a little bit more into the modern footwear and let's kind of talk a little bit about how, you know, there's like this misrepresentation or how like this societal representation of our feet is like skewed, you know, like, uh, if I'm not wearing a shoe with a Nike swoosh symbol on it, then it's going to be garbage, you know, or, you know, if I don't wear my air Jordans, it's going to be garbage. Right. So let's kind of talk a little bit about that and, you know, see how that could be like impacting our feet just because we want to look good. Yeah. And that, that's a huge thing is the looking good. So the, the shoe manufacturers, I don't want to say that they don't care about you, but the one thing they do care about there's pri- their priority is, uh, sales, right? So, they care about, um, you know, you buying the shoe and you buying the shoe is going to come down to does it look good? So aesthetics and does it feel good when you first try it on? So the feel good first trying it on is huge because that is really the underlying reason why a lot of these companies have added the cushion. Right. It, it, you know, the cushion has been progressively increasing on the shoes for the last couple of decades. And it's really getting to a point where it's, it's starting to be really negative. At first, your body could kind of, you know, get around it, adapt. But now it's getting to the point where it's so much that it's, it's wreaking havoc, not just on your feet, but up the chain. So ankles, knees, hips, back, everything's uh, changing. Even the way we breathe, you can make a case for that. But with, with this kind of shift in the, in the footwear industry, we've gotten to the point also with technology where we have all these synthetic materials. So they can really, really kind of... Uh, talk up some of the parts of these shoes and, and na- name things a certain way. It sounds really cool. Sounds like it's going to fix stuff. And that's just not the case because the reality of it is, is, is your feet have 26 bones, 33 joints, and, and 100 plus muscles, tendons, ligaments for a reason. You know, it, it, the foot evolved that way to be, you know, resilient and adaptable. It could create a rigid lever to push off of, or it can kind of flatten down and be a mobile shock absorber, right? A shoe 
even if we have cushion in there, it can't go back and forth between those two things, right? It's, it's probably one or the other. And even then, it can't operate in the, in the really intricate way that the foot can operate. So that's kind of the overarching theme of, of how shoes can be. It's very myopic, the view on, on footwear and the foot. But Chad already kind of mentioned some of the things that the heel toe drop, we have this, this desire to put all this cushion at the heel more so than the toe. So what that does is it elevates the heel relative to the toes. So now you're on a downward slope the whole time. So if you're in shoes, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, your brain just thinks you're downhill all day, right? So if I'm downhill, my center of mass is, is kind of dumped forward. My body is leaning forward. It has to offset that some way. So the way it often offsets it is if the heel's lifted, it's got to jut the knees slightly forward, okay? So now the ankle's slightly forward as well. The hips have to shoot back just a tad, and then the low back has to arch, and then that flares the, the front of the rib cage, which, again, like I said with breathing, could theoretically impact your breathing. You know, as it, it, it's, there's so many nuances to it. It's not that simple. That's a very simplistic view of it, but those are kind of the subtle changes, and if that happens for a short period of time, it's fine. Your body can absolutely deal with that. But if you're doing it for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, you can see how that can become problematic. The other thing that's huge with the shoes is the toe box, right? When your foot, um, you know, when you interact with the ground, your foot has to absorb the force from the ground. And the way it starts that force absorption process is by spreading out, splaying on the ground. Uh, most shoes are way too narrow at the tip of the toes. So they actually squish the toes and your toes can't spread and splay. So we can't initiate that force absorption process. So the other joints of the chain, knees, hips, back, have to take the brunt of the force because my foot are, aren't really muting it at the beginning. So, you know, really trying to get shoes that are flatter, ideally. So we can talk more about, we're going to, the next episode, we're going to talk more about the transition process. But in terms of what we look for in shoes, first two things are flat. So zero, ideally a zero drop. So the heels and the toes are on the same platform and then a wide toe box. So those toes can splay out inside. Yeah. And I mean, this all, I mean, you could really dive down a rabbit hole in terms of talking about evolution and, you know, and why do we have modern footwear? But like Nick was saying, the environment has kind of made it necessary, you know, um, just to give you an example, I was away, uh, for the 4th of July just last weekend. And, um, I, my, one of my cousins and one of his friends, they were doing a road race and they decided to do the road race without shoes on. And it was on pavement, mind you. And my other cousin comes up and I said, why are they not having shoes on? She goes, oh, well, they know that you like barefoot running. So they thought it was going to be the best thing. I'm like, what? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So <laughs> of course they lost the race. And I'm like, dude, you guys lost the race because you don't have shoes on. We're, we're not running on dirt. We're running on pavement now. So um, it, it kind of has made it necessary in terms of, of the environment that we're living in. And that's just kind of like what it is. But, uh, you know, you know, for any of you guys that have kids, it's it's kind of funny to, to watch your, your kids start walking around and using all these little muscles in their ankles and feet. And, and then all of a sudden we put them in shoes. And it's uh, the body's becoming adapted at like age two now to these shoes. And it's really affecting all these kids as I mean, I can't tell you how many kids that we see now that are like, oh, I got flat feet or oh, I got this or I got that. It's like, you know, I wonder if this is all kind of stemming from footwear that we've exposed these kids, you know, before they could even actually use their feet, you know, with the way that they're supposed to use these feet. So it's I don't know. I mean, again, it's like another rabbit hole you could drive down for sure. You know, and it's it's obviously not the sole cause, most likely, like like with anything else, there's probably numerous factors, but it is an issue because if you think about it, 
Um, or if you look at the, the research of forces, right, when we walk, for, for example, the impact forces from the ground, when you take a step, they roughly happen on average, like around, you know, 50 milliseconds or less, right? And when you're running, it's even faster. It could be around 20 milliseconds. But the research on fast twitch muscle fibers, which are the ones that react to those stimuli in a quick manner, they usually fire at around 70 milliseconds. So that tells you that we, when we walk, we aren't reacting to the force of the ground. We're anticipating it. So what are shoes going to do if we put them on the kids whose bodies are learning how to anticipate these forces and how to respond to them and react and, and not react, but anticipate and respond to them in a, an appropriate way? We're going to skew that for them throughout their development, right? Because now we've thrown a shoe on them. So now their body is anticipating a different force because you're putting them on cushion. And now it's anticipating more of that soft cushiony surface, right? So that's going to change how their brain re then reacts or responds to that. So how it, you know, dampens and absorbs the force. So we have a saying here that we use with people, hard ground equals soft foot and soft foot equals hard ground. Okay, so when you have a soft surface underneath your foot, your foot will become hard or rigid. So it stiffens up, right? Because now the ground is soft. And then vice versa, if I were, so, you know, Chad's relatives who were running barefoot, their foot had to get really soft, right? In order to, to deal with the, the, the pavement. But because they're wearing shoes the majority of the time, because that's just the social norm, their feet probably had a hard time doing that because it's constantly in a shoe, which is soft on the inside. So their foot's used to being hard and rigid, but now they try to go on a hard ground and be soft and the body doesn't have the capacity to do that because it just isn't being trained that way anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty solid point. And we, I mean, we, we put this post out like uh, about a year or so ago and, and uh, Vivo Barefoot actually got a hold of it because we, we do a little bit of work with them as well. And, and uh, they ran with it and even put it in their, their newest shoe spiracy newsletter, which was pretty sweet. So um, they, they can see that, you know, that, that hard foot, soft ground and soft foot, hard ground is, is totally a thing. And when you actually look at the video, it, you can even see it more clearly because it's in slow motion and trying to watch the foot adapt to a softer surface is, is pretty amazing. Cause when you think about it, it's like we're walking every day on an Airx pad. If you're wearing that type of a shoe, you know, and it just makes you wonder how the body's responding to that all the way up the chain, not even at the ankle and the foot, you know, cause you know, a lot of our patients that have knee pain could not necessarily be coming from the knee because we already know that that's not a thing. You know, the, the knee is a follower. It's not a leader. So it's either going to be coming from the ankle foot or the hip. And nine times out of 10 with a lot of our patients, we've been seeing it come from the ankle and the foot, you know, from the ground. So um, that's usually a place that we'll start and changing out the footwear, even just looking at the footwear and seeing how the foot actually reacts to the ground is a great step in determining what's actually, you know, taking place uh, all the way up the chain. So it does, does make a huge difference for sure. Yeah. And, and we're not saying that, you know, everyone needs to be going barefoot all the time, right? You just need to preserve the ability to go barefoot. When we have all these older adults who come in, you know, after a lifetime wearing shoes and they come in and th this happens all the time. Yeah, no, doctor told me I, I just, you know, my, I'm too old. My feet have gotten too old and I just need to wear shoes all the time. That's not how it should be. You know, we should be able to go barefoot throughout our lifetime. And we need to preserve that ability. And the, the best way to preserve anything is to continue doing it, right? So we need to maintain the ability to go barefoot. And that's not to be said that everyone should go be running road races on the pavement barefoot, right? Because that's a man-made surface. 
Could you train your body to do so? Absolutely. Your body's crazy adaptable and resilient. You could train your body to do so if that was your goal. Great. If not, we really just need to maintain, you know, the the capacity to to tolerate, you know, most surfaces barefoot, but be able to function barefoot, um, you know, day in, day out, if possible. And that's where footwear comes in, because it's one of those things that it 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 plays a role. It matters. And the, the extent to which we change it will depend on the person and to depend on the, the individual's unique situation. But we want to, you know, kind of move more down this this natural footwear into the spectrum with most people so we can get their, them somewhere in the middle where their feet are going to get stronger. You know, their balance may improve all these things. It'll, it'll have ripple effects throughout the body, you know, but that will depend. And that's what our next episode is going to be, you know, focused on where we talk about how we transition um, and, and some strategies on how to go about doing that. But realistically, we just, our big emphasis with today's episode is we got to preserve the ability to, to, to go barefoot or at least tolerate that and, you know, do something for your feet every day, right? You, you brush your teeth every day. No one really questions it. Could someone debate that we don't need to brush our teeth? Absolutely. You could debate anything. But for the most part, we know that keeping a, you know, relatively clean, clean teeth is a good thing. Do we need some bacteria in our mouth? Absolutely. Totally different conversation. But nonetheless, everyone brushes their teeth at least once a day, I would hope, right? Sometimes but the, the common recommendation is twice, but we're not going to argue that. But anyway, we all just brush our teeth, right? Same thing with, with your feet. You should do something for your feet every day. You know, brush your feet every day. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, you could brush your feet, but you want to do something for your feet. So that could literally be a, a routine where you get a lacrosse ball, roll out the bottom of your foot, all directions, right? Both feet. It could be, you know, toe yoga where you move the toes, you know, so you keep the outside four toes down, press, lift, lift up the big toe and vice versa. It could be, you know, foot stretches and, and foot activation exercises. You could also stretch the calves, right? Because those muscles in the calves, some of those deeper muscles go into the feet and the toes. You know, you could roll the calves out too. So something for the feet, whatever works for you, you got to figure out what works for you. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a, a variety of options out there. And if you do have, you know, questions about specific exercises that you'd like to do, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us on, on Instagram, email, whatever. But doing something for your feet every day is a huge, huge strategy for preserving that, that kind of natural foot function that we're, we're losing out on day in and day out as we move forward in our current society. Yeah, and I mean, just talking about preserving that natural foot function, I mean, we could really, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, um, like not only the footwear, but the orthotics that are in the footwear. And I think that's a huge thing that we're trying to overcome as a profession right now because the, the, the profession is kind of still split, you know. Uh, some part of the profession feels that we need it and some don't. And we're not going to say that it's not necessary. Um, but I guess my question, and this is the question that I always ask our patients and clients, is like, do you want to wear orthotics for the rest of your life? Because if that's the case, then fine, wear them. Uh, but if you're like, no, I don't want to wear these things for the rest of my life, well, then you're going to be. Because if you have those orthotics in your shoes, then your body's just never going to adapt without them. Um, and, and that's our big drive home there. And, and you're never going to preserve that natural foot function if you're constantly bracing that foot in those positions um, because it's never exposed to the ground itself. Think about orthotics like you would crutches, right? If you go to the doctor and like, oh, I got to put you on these crutches, what's what's your first thought or question? Maybe even when's there? When can I get off these crutches? How long do I have to be on the crutches? Right? No one wants to be on the crutches, but with orthotics, we just oh, I got orthotics now. All right, I'll see you next year when I need new ones or when I need more cushioning. 
whatever the case is, you got to think of them like crutches. They're meant to offload a certain area of the foot for a short period of time, right? While it's flared up until I have the ability to start gradually increasing the load on that area again. Okay. So we might use them um, periodically. Some people might get into a situation where they have them in their closet and they might need to bring them out a couple times a year. Some people may need to use them for a short period of time and then never go back to them. Um, it really depends on the person, what they do, the activities they, they enjoy. All those things are, are huge factors that matter. And footwear and orthotics, they come down to, yes, they're factors that play a role in how our body moves as well. But those are factors that are super modifiable, right? If all, it change, if all we're asking you to do is try this, try this shoe instead of this shoe, that's way easier than me telling you to, you know, actually, I need you to do this exercise 12 times a day. Every time you do it, I need you to do three sets of 10 to 15, whatever the case is, right? It's, you know, it can get annoying. It can, it, it, we get it. But if I'm telling you, hey, look, I just need you to spend 100 bucks on this pair of shoes. It's going to be better for you in the long run. It might take a little time to transition to them, but that's all you got to do, right? You got to buy them and then put them on, right? That's a very, very modifiable factor that is easy to manipulate. Yeah. And, um, you know, so the, the hot weather is upon us, right? And I know that some of you are thinking to yourself, oh, but I wear flip-flops all the time. Those got to be good, right? That zero drop, my foot's pretty much on the ground. You know, um, why don't we talk a little bit about flip-flops and the pros and cons of the flip-flops, the way that the body has to adapt to using the flip-flops in terms of how the toes are functioning uh, and how that might actually affect like the plantar fascia and everything else down there in the bottom of the foot. Yeah, so flip-flops are great from the standpoint of letting your toes spread out. But when you have a flip-flop that's, that's um, it's called a flip-flop because it's, it's kind of flip-flopping around, right? So it's not attached to the ankle or the heel. So when you're, you take a step, your body has to instinctively curl the toes to grip the flip-flop to keep it on. Now, preserving the ability to grip the toes is a good thing, but should we do it with every step? Probably not. Because when you take a step and you push off the toes, you want to push straight down into the ground. You don't want to grip the ground when you're walking necessarily. So what that's going to do is that's going to kind of overwork the bottom of the foot as well as some of those deeper muscles in the calf. So it's going to create a lot of tightness and tension in the bottom of the foot and the calf. And that's going to, over time, you know, that could play a role in, in you know, tightness in these areas, but also could lead to pain potentially. Um, but realistically, flip-flops are probably better suited for short durations, you know, if you're going from the car to the beach kind of thing. But if you're one of those people that just wear them every day in the summer to the store, to the wherever, walking around, go even going on walks, you know, two, three, four-mile walks on flip-flops, probably not the best choice. Getting something that will strap around the foot, uh, well, around the, ideally around the, like the whole foot or the heel into the ankle is like a sandal is going to be more suited for those longer distances or those longer durations. Yeah. And, you know, kind of just take that a step further. Uh, you know, like Nick was saying, when you have to curl the toes in order to keep the flip-flop on, that changes the biomechanics of the foot completely. And um, like Nick said, you know, when we're walking, we want that nice push-off. And we don't get that nice push-off when we're digging our toes into the ground. So what that does is it actually changes the way that our foot and ankle load the ground. Um, because now what you're doing is you're creating more of a rigid foot, uh, which is allowing you not to load as much into the foot, which then changes everything up the chain. Now, you might be one of those people that's like, 
you know, I feel better in flip-flops and that's, that's possible. But then there's also those people that feel worse. Um, they could have more knee pain, more hip pains and, you know, all the way up the chain. But, um, just know that it's not always a great thing like Nick was saying, and, and you'll see this, you know, and if you've had plantar fasciitis injury or if you've been treated for it in the past, you're like, yeah, but I used to do toe curls all the time in PT. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just not like Nick was saying, you don't want to do that with every step because that's just repetitive. That's a repetitive stress. Um, and, and not, not only that, but it also changes the way that that foot loads and the way that the foot is supposed to function naturally. Yeah. If you look down at your feet right now and you try to press, especially your outside four toes, press them as hard into the ground as you can. If you see the middle of the toe pop up, right? So it's going to be more of that curling action. That's a good indication that the toes aren't functionally, you know, totally optimally for that efficient push off. Okay, so they're curling at that moment when they should be pressing into the ground. And that's going to limit not only the, the overall function of the foot, but that could limit performance, you know, on the field or court and any, any kind of any physical activity you, you um, participate in. And it really could be the role or the, the underlying cause of some of that, you know, tightness that could lead to discomfort, irritation, tension, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And uh, I think that's that's pretty solid. I mean, did you want to add anything else to that, Nick, before we no, before I, we conclude? Because, I, I, I mean, next we want to talk about the transition. We don't yeah. want to go too far into it. Yeah, you know what I mean, Cause exactly. Then we'll, I definitely want to be leave, an hour long. So, yeah, I definitely <laughs> want to leave some of that stuff for the uh, for the transitioning process. But I definitely do want to say good because we tied the orthotics and stuff into it. Kind of the best, you know, summarization of that is, is where we're at in our, um, you know, current healthcare system, the way we view feet as being weak and fragile and frail. And, you know, if someone comes with a foot issue, the first thing most providers will be like is, oh, let's get you an orthotic. Oh, we got to get more cushiony shoes. Get these orthopedic, I air quote that, orthopedic shoes. Um, that's baloney. Um, but that's the way we kind of go about it. But realistically, we need to, you know, in that situation, you need to empower the person, not the shoe or not the orthotic, right? So empower the person in their feet. Let them know that their foot is strong, resilient, adaptable. In this moment, yeah, there might be some weakness present, but it has the capacity to regain strength. It has the capacity to regain this function. Okay, so let's restore that. Let's empower that instead of trying to give that function over to some manufactured thing that will never be as strong and resilient and adaptable as our human foot. Yep. Yeah. Great summary. And I, I'm, I guess I'll just conclude that with, uh, you know, just, just know that feet are the foundation and, and that's what we, we harp on here. And, uh, we also have another saying here that, um, go outside and get your feet dirty, man. You know, it's uh, dirty feet or healthy feet. So go outside, go play in the dirt. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProformPTMA.com or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.